Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one on Tuesday, January the 18th, 2020. It is a T-Watts and TR edition of the Bama Online Podcast. It's been a while since we checked in with site publisher Tim Watts right before the Christmas holiday, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, if memory serves me correctly, which becomes more and more of an issue as the days go by at the tender age of 53, but... Tim Watts, Happy New Year, my man. How we doing? What is up, man? What is up? Yeah, it's been a little while. We uh, we uh, took the Christmas break off and getting caught back up with school and all. The kids had time off, so I spent a lot of time with them. But, you know, a lot's happened in the last month. Just a few things, just a couple of football games of note, just the college football playoff, and you know, we'll certainly get into that. But what about any – are you a New Year's resolution guy? I don't know if we've talked about that in the past or not. And if so, any for 2022 for Tim Watts, maybe personally, maybe for BamaOnline.com that our subscribers and, well, even the staff ought to be on the lookout for. Now, I'm not huge on it. I mean, I do that. Do the, I try to you know be a little bit more active. I'm more active in the winter than the summer, to be honest with you. Can't stand the heat. So I don't have huge changes. I mean, I've, you still got the Peloton going? You still yeah, Peloton? I, I consistently, right. I do want to ride that more. Not, for me, I've sort of whittled down to all that life is going to let me do. I've been nitpicked <laughs> by mom and my wife and the kids. I'm only down to like smoking a cigar in the garage or on the back porch and cussing. <laughs> I got nothing else. You know, the F word is one of my, my favorite. I consider it just a normal word, an adjective, a verb, a noun. I love the flexibility of it, but I'm really down to those two things. I don't have any other vices. That's keep, pretty well streamlined, my man. Yeah. I'm keeping them. I'm keeping those two. I wouldn't mind uh, a new name for the new year. You know, kind of like our staff members at Bama Online. Hank South has got the best name, in my opinion, in uh, in the business, in the industry. You, you, I always thought when you first came at me with Hank South, I thought that was like a pen name, a ghostwriter or something. I said, there, there's no way. This could be his real name, but it is. And then even Charlie Potter. You know, I thought maybe Charles Power was going Ghost Rider when you came at me with Charlie Potter. I thought maybe we were going hybrid there, but we got a couple of staff members with really cool names that I'm jealous of. Charlie Potter only really works for me with Ash Charlie Potter. It can't be Charles Potter. can't be Chuck Potter. It's Charlie Potter. It's perfect. It's like the name of a book. uh, Yeah, Henry Potter. Uh, Harry Potter. Excuse me. Yeah. You can tell I'm really brushed up on Charlie's got some resemblance on that catalog. He's got some resemblance to Harry. He's quite the wizard. Yeah, he is wizardry. He's been wizardry in keeping us up to speed on players leaving, returning, looking ahead to the NFL draft. That's something we're going to get into on the podcast today with Tim. But certainly, Tim, we want to get your thoughts on the finish to the 2021 football season for the Alabama Crimson Tide. You know, something I've been thinking about in terms of the nine teams that Alabama has had appear, that has appeared, that have appeared in national championship games under Nick Saban. Where does this one stack up on that list, in your opinion? Nine championship game appearances under Nick Saban. Where would you put this team? You know, I know we've probably all rehashed this to death. I just, you know, to me, it's probably going to be the biggest what-if team and frustration team. Not trying to take anything away from Georgia, but I think just you know not having Mechie out there was was a was a big loss, and then losing 
Jameson on what you know was a huge play in a you know in a huge game was a big loss. So for me, it's more about question about what if you know what if they were in what if they were fully healthy. I think that game is a, a good game. Really, it's pretty competitive. It's a little bit more like the old school Alabama Georgia game than the, than the last couple that that defensive battle. But I think you would have seen a little. To me, it's again, it's just a little bit more about what if. What if everybody was healthy um, and the season as a whole. If you start in game one, if you start in the spring game, we saw Aggie Hall in the spring game in the national championship game. <laughs> Nowhere in between. You know, we, <laughs> in between that, we only saw him on Twitter, you know. So, you know, we saw so many things happen and change this year. We saw a whole new, you know, cornerback group playing in the national championship game. We saw Seth step up at center. We saw the George experiment at uh, right tackle. Just so much happened during that season. Um you know, it was almost like the Dickens movie. It was the best times. It was the worst of times. We saw some great, some great plays, some great decisions made, and then we saw some questionable ones. And for a rebuild year, I think it was, you know, it was probably, it was probably one of the most interesting ones. But talent-wise, probably at the, you know, pretty much near the bottom of the championship teams. Yeah, I thought it was kind of like the offensive version of the 2016 team that came up a second short against Clemson. Except for that team, the losses were maybe more so on the defensive side, although you did have Bo Scarborough go down in that championship game, similar to Jamison Williams going down against Georgia in the national championship game earlier in the month. So certainly some what ifs involved. Um, But in terms of just going from a season like last year, a perfect 13 and 0 season, a national championship, as far as your personal expectations for this team coming right behind that sort of team for all time, did this team maybe did it overachieve in some ways? Do you think? Yeah, I think once you saw, and we established this pretty young, I think it's like game three or four. We, you know, I started saying, and I know others, you know, you did too, others. I just started saying, this is not a great Alabama team. I think it was obvious. It had flaws and it made sense. You had eight guys going the first 38 picks of the draft, plus a, you know, plus a host of others. And those weren't just normal guys going in the draft. Those were guys who were in the National Football League who were kicking ass. I mean, these are guys, Najee, you know, Smitty, Jalen, Mack. Those are guys who not only just went to the pros, Christian Barmore, but they Landon were. Landon Dickerson, yeah. You know, guys were doing things in the NFL. They were instant impact guys on all rookie teams, up for rookie of the year, that kind of stuff with those guys. So they lost so much talent. Um so it was to be expected. But I think at some point you just realized it was a team that was going to have to battle for everything they got. You saw that against teams like LSU, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Auburn. I mean, there were some really close games and some games that probably on the scoreboard look a little worse than they were when those games were much more competitive for, for two and a half to three quarters. So I think when you look at it overall, knowing now what we didn't know then, I think it was a team that overachieved. Um and I think, you know, it was weird how you didn't see a lot of guys play. We didn't see as many freshmen. I knew this when I was going to do a speech back in November, and I was working on the speech outline. And, you know, part of the speech is always Alabama played 17 true freshmen, 19 true freshmen. Well, when I got to that part of the speech, I was thinking, like, they haven't played anywhere near 17 or 19, not for significant minutes, um, and not including special teams. So it was a smaller roster. And I really think you saw some guys play. Kyrie Jackson, I thought, who we didn't see most of the year, made plays. Hall is going to be a guy who can make plays. I know he dropped some passes, but you know, that's a, you know, that the thing about Hall, the wide receiver, 
is he's an energy guy. He's very, very, very emotional. You saw that on Twitter where he'd get upset when he didn't play. He's very competitive. You saw that on the interception, the pick six, where he ran down and just blew somebody up. His effort, his, his effort was crazy on that play. <clears throat> That's the kind of guy he is. So it's not surprising. First real game action in that kind of setting that he's a little nervous um, and dropped some passes, but he's going to be a player. But I think this next year – What I really want to see is I want to see everybody play. I want to see everybody with the chance to play in the non-conference games. I want to see the guys we've had a chance that that were highly ranked that we've talked about. Because the guys that we did see out of the blue, Kyrie, Kool-Aid, Seth, there's other names you can mention. Those were guys that that, that did some good things for Alabama. And I'm looking forward to it next year. Yeah. um, As far as Alabama's transfer portal uh, approach from a shopping perspective. I guess it's hard to give uh, Nick Saban anything but an A, considering he went out and got what proved to be Alabama's leading tackler for 2021 from the portal in Henry Toa Toa. And then, of course, what Jamison Williams brought to that offense, not just in terms of the passing game, but how he helped whatever running game Alabama was probably able to facilitate because. He was such a threat in the vertical aspect of that. Is that approach, you think, going to be similar moving forward? Could it vary year to year? We already see Eli Ricks and Jameer Gibbs uh, join Alabama from the transfer portal. Uh, How do you anticipate that moving forward? Yeah, I think it'll be the same thing. Pick and choose where you have needs. I mean, Jameer Gibbs is running back from Georgia Tech. He really wanted to go to Alabama out of high school. Alabama took three running backs in that class. And uh, <clears throat> now they have taken four before the year of Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara. But I think that that year they were pinched on numbers, couldn't get Gibbs in. Not wasn't that they didn't think he couldn't play because he could. Had a couple of good years at Georgia Tech and transferred over. Ricks is another guy. You know, I think he's an SEC freshman All-American. Uh, big play capability. He's long. He doesn't run as fast as a lot of people think he is. He's not a 4-4 type guy. But, man, he's rangy. And this kid, since high school, finds the ball. For, you know, some guys, just the ball just finds them, I should say. He's a guy that's in position to make a lot of plays, so both guys have a chance to come in and be starters, similar to Henry, similar to Jamison. Uh, so, yeah, I think that trend's going to continue. How much? Because Alabama's always at the brink with numbers. You know, they always got to, you know, they've always got to, like, you know, there's they're all because of all the scholarships they use on, on uh, incoming players, they're always pushing that 85 number. We have a running poll of <laughs> where they're at, how they're getting to 85. So um, that also will factor in. But they can be choosy. I mean, Nick Saban said this was going to happen. It's going to, you know, it's basically the free agency of college football now. And um, you'll see other teams that benefit from it. I mean, the, the craziest scenario I've seen is Dabo Sweeney Clemson sort of didn't say, you know, he wasn't really going to use the transfer portal. And yesterday, he took back Hunter Johnson, who <laughs> full circle, yeah, transferred to Northwestern and transferred back. And I'm not certainly not faulting him for that. So I think people are adjusted to how to use the transfer portals. Yeah, I think there's going to actually be more of that, where you see guys that end up bouncing and then bouncing back at some point in their career with this one-time exception, uh, especially in place. Uh, that we have to go along with the grad transfer option that is still out there as well. So when we talk about Alabama players that have entered the transfer portal, let's sort of move through that list, get your thoughts on some of these guys. 
Paul Tyson at the quarterback position, we understand he has landed at Arizona State. Of course, the great grandson of legendary coach Paul William Bear Bryant. Uh, what do you think about that situation in general behind Bryce Young? I guess not a complete surprise to see Paul Tyson move along, but what are we hearing about Jalen Milrow after really a year in the program and then with the potential that Ty Simpson brings to that spot, obviously, as a part of the 2022 cycle. Yeah, you know, I think with Tyson, I mean, it always comes down that you have kids that want to experience college and be part of a team, and you got, you know, guys that want to play. I think Tyson's one of those guys that wants to play, and hey, going out there and playing with, was it Herm Edwards and the Pac-12, that's probably going to be a, that's probably going to be pretty fun, you know, similar to what you saw with Talia, who went to Maryland. It's not that Talia couldn't have played at Alabama. It's just the competition was much heavier. You know, Paul Tyson kind of comes in with a pretty, you know, pretty heavy cast of talent around him. He's got Mac Jones. Now he's got Bryce Young. You know, I think this is more of a case of just going somewhere, getting some freedom. And, hey, if I have a degree, if I come from some money and I've got some talent and some experience being in Alabama for three years – Going to Arizona State, who I believe is the party school of America. I don't know if they've been dethroned. Yeah, if you've been out to Tempe and just that area in general, I, I feel you, Paul. I, I get it. Before. I get it, pal. I think, I think that, yeah, I think he's you know, probably <laughs> got his degree, uh, has been three years in the system in Alabama. So he's going to go out to Arizona. And I think he personally, I think he's going to stand out as far as a work ethic, know how to control a huddle kind of guy and have a chance to compete. Now they also got some talent out there too, but this is a, you know, this is a young guy just experiencing life also to go along with his football. Drew Sanders moves on after two years in the program, drew with a very bright future and a guy who started three games for Alabama in 2021 after Christopher Allen went down with the injury against Miami in the season opener. Of course, we saw what Dallas Turner did once he had the opportunity, unfortunately for Drew, following his own injury uh, there around midseason. Jalil Billingsley moves on to Texas. Uh, of those two, the bigger surprise, is it pretty much Sanders or both or neither? I don't think it, so. I don't think Sanders is much of a surprise when you really sit down and look at it. This is a this is a starter. You know, people are mentioning losing Sanders hurts depth, and therein lies lies the problem for Drew Sanders because he's a star. He's a starter talent. Unfortunately, he's locked behind probably two first round draft picks in Dallas and um, and Will Anderson. So that sort of affected him. But Drew's a heck of a player. He can run, you know, obviously he's, you know, flexible enough. He could have played tight end college and been a good one. I think he'll go to Arkansas and have a good career. I think he was looking for opportunity more more than anything else. And he got it, like you said. He started, he played well, but Dallas, you know, Dallas got his chance and he was just like a hungry dog, you know. He looked like he'd been starving when he got in. He he played so well out of the gate, played through the national championship game. I think he just shined and you know you know how hard it's gonna be to to you know, take snaps from him, and him and Will play a lot of snaps. Those are <laughs> those are some in shape young men. So um, Jaleel, I mean, I you know, I feel like Jaleel just got off to a bad start this year. Never quite. You know, it's funny when I talk to people, they talk to like if the Jaleel from two years ago would have showed up this year. I mean, Jaleel, I looked it up. He had like 250 yards two years ago receiving. Is that right? I mean, yeah, he he really wasn't as much of a factor until. Jalen Waddle went out, and of course, Devontae had so many targets. So did John Mechie. So it wasn't like Jalil had 70 receptions two years ago. In the 19, 
reception. I said he basically had the same junior year he had as a sophomore year. This year, obviously, you know, started out with some trouble, got in the doghouse, never really got out of the doghouse, had some, you know, bad effort and some bad, you know, some bad drops, just had drops the whole year and uh, had some effort issues as well. I don't think he was happy at Alabama. Um, I think I think it was a good time for a change for both programs there. Yeah, I had Chip Brown, who covers Texas for us, I guess, for 247sports.com asked me in the last day or so about Jalil Billingsley as a blocker. And I just said, he's capable if committed. And I think that sums up Jalil in every aspect of his play. If he is committed and engaged, there's no doubt this guy can you know, be more along the lines of what so many anticipated him being in 2021. And uh, so to see him move on and reunite with Jeff Banks, I guess, at Texas and Steve Sarkeesian, uh, of these moves, that one certainly – makes the most sense now some of these guys that have gone into the portal tommy brown jalen moody shane lee javon baker you know we've seen it in the past not often but sometimes guys go into the portal and then they end up sticking around is that potential there in your opinion with any of these guys that we haven't heard about in terms of their next stop or do you think the ship has sailed pretty much with all those guys yeah, I think with, uh, you know, Jalen Moody's the one <clears throat> we really didn't get to see enough of. And, you know, what we did see, he was a pretty good football player. Um, he was trapped behind Christian Harris. He was trapped behind Henry Toa Toa. So I think we, we you know, he kind of missed a shot there. I think for him, he's just looking for a chance to play. He didn't play nearly as much as I thought he would. You know, I'm not questioning the coaches on that. They know a lot more than we do about that every day. You know, Henry calls the game, so he's out there for every play. And Christian's obviously a good football player. Uh, I just think he's looking for an opportunity to play somewhere. To me, athletically, from what I can see and what I've been told, he can play somewhere, maybe at a lower level. But there's somebody that needs an athlete that can run around on the football field. Um, but I, you know, I wouldn't expect he would come back. But you're right; they could jump back in from the portal. You know, we saw we saw that with the basketball team, right? Um, saw it with King Wakuda last summer too, who has eventually moved on to Arkansas State now. Shane, I expect him to move on. Baker, I expect him to move on. Baker's a good football player. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's, he, he's a nice route runner. He's got really good hands. He's a dog. He'll fight you for the ball. He's not extremely athletically gifted, you know, compared to what we've seen at Alabama in the past. He's not a 4-4 guy. Um, but I think he can go somewhere, you know, you know, have a couple years of Alabama under his belt will help. We talk about those wide receivers, and you mentioned – yeah, absolutely. A Jai Hall and the potential for him to be a number one type receiver. Ja'Cory Brooks showed you some of that during the 2021 season. Uh, understanding Slay Bolden's moving on, John Mechie, Jamison Williams. Um, beyond Brooks and a Jai Hall, who's next up on this current roster that you would assign the tag of most important? Really needs to take another step forward to help push this wide receiver rotation and help it maintain that level of production we've seen over the last several years. Yes. As far as guys on campus, you know, the one thing Alabama really that they've had that they, they have, they have not had that they're used to having is that rug slash um, waddle type role, that smaller wide receiver, that quick guy, you know, the quick in a, in a box guy, Christian Leary has a chance to do that. JoJo Earl has a chance to do that. I'm a little bit surprised with JoJo. He looked very hesitant in this year. You know, I think part of that was he didn't show up until the summer. He wasn't an early enrollee, so I think that could have 
play, you know, that could have factored in, the, you know, that he didn't get some of that spring and some of that adjustment time, but never really looked comfortable, you know, still was muffin putts at the end of the year. Uh, never just grabbed the ball and, you know, grabbed the gear and just dug his head down and went. Uh, so he certainly has a chance to, uh, to step up. Leary is a guy that has that speed that we look for. He's fast. He's a little smaller wide receiver. He can do it. The guy that's for sure to me has a, has a really good chance of coming in and playing though, is the signee Aaron Anderson from Louisiana, Alabama Mm -hmm. flip, um, polished, you know, that's a big thing. Learning how to run routes is a huge thing. I think that's affected Hall in a lot of ways. We even saw that when he did play, it looked like his routes were off a couple of times. So learning to run those routes is important. I mean, that's as important as anything um, you will see, and that's part of what Alabama missed with you know missed with Mechie. It's not just running your route, but what did Mechie do when the play wasn't there? He worked open, adjusted. Yeah, he him and open. him and Bryce. That was Bryce's guy safety, in those situations. It was absolutely yeah. So when it, everything's covered, Mechie didn't just you know a young guy's just going to stop and go well tried you know but a, a veteran. And, a, you know, a great route runner is going to work back to the ball, work to the corner, come back, work to the sideline. That's the kind of stuff you're going to do. Aaron Anderson has those kind of tendencies, I think. He knows how to get open. Um, he's not as fast. Alabama's got some major speed with Leary, uh, Bonds from Georgia, and Kobe Prentice from Clear. they got some speed guys at wide receiver, but they've also got guys that got to learn how to run routes. I think Leary fell in that group. Anderson's more polished to me. Uh, great balls, tremendous ball skills. The kid catches everything near him. So he's got a chance, in my opinion, to come in and work from the slot. He's going to push some people, I, I, I believe that. Yeah, Shaz Preston could be a Mechie type when you watch him on tape. Um, you know, uh, about the same type of size. looks like similar in terms of speed. Um, but you said it with the the value of, of Mechie once things broke down. And I think Bryce has sort of that connection with Trayshawn Holden because you saw it last spring. You saw it even in the national championship game. Once Jamison went out, he went to Trayshawn a good bit. The question with Trayshawn is, can he take another step in terms of being able to get separation against high level corners and the type of guys you see at this level, right? And yards after the catch, you know, that's right. Right. He just didn't really show that elusiveness. But then again, there was a, you know, Bryce was under, you know, constant pressure. He really did. We really didn't see Holden running down the field. A lot of those were just set plays, short routes and that kind of thing. But I mean, when you look at what Alabama brings back next year, there's a lot of questions defensively. There's not a lot of questions. Let me be clear. There's uh, nine of 11 returning starters. They've got guys over there that can run, that can jump, that can fly, that can hit. They've got, you know, Deontay Lawson. They've got Terry and Arnold. They've got uh, Braswell, who I still think is close. You know, we saw him at times this year. I think he's got a, he's getting closer to taking that next step. They've got guys on defense. They've got returning starters. They've got experience. they got the best defensive player in the country in Will Anderson. Defense is fine. Offense, they have a ton of talent and a ton of potential. I mean, this is going to be who steps up on the offensive line. Major questions there, but there's plenty of guys to help figure it out. You know, um, I wanted to circle back real quick, though, and also highlight that other inside linebacker position. Uh, assuming Moody is definitely moving on, understanding Christian Harris is going to be in the NFL draft. Um, what about a next guy up there? Deontay Lawson, uh, some different things I guess you could do with Kendrick Blackshire. Uh, Des Moines Kennedy worked at running back. I would think he's going to go back to inside linebacker. 
now that they've replenished that area uh, on offense and have some time to do that. What about the other inside linebacker? Am I too high on Lawson and thinking he's the next guy up? I mean, the people I've talked to, what you saw in high school, um, big, thick, you know, sledgehammer type guy that can run is athletic, played on the offensive side of the ball in high school, so he has some flexibility. Uh, I think Kennedy will be in there. Kennedy still looks a little light to me. I don't know about you. I saw him in yeah. running back. He didn't look as thick, you know, as some of the other guys did. And of course, he's got a year. He's got a year to change that. But you know, if I'm, you know, Lawson, the inside guy. Um, and I'll tell you, do not sleep. Do not sleep. B O L on Jihad Campbell. This guy's recruitment. Yeah. He's going to be a guy that happens so fast. Remember, he just showed up. <laughs> he showed up on an unofficial visit that took time away from his Aggies official visit late in the process. Signed with Alabama. It's my understanding he's going to start an inside backer and can swing to the edge. Now, when I, anybody that can start an inside backer to swing to the edge and rush the passer efficiently, I don't want to say, you know, Micah Parsons is a hot name, but that's Micah Parsons' skill set. And Jahan, mm-hmm. you watch him. Charles Power uh, used to work for BOL, now with on three, and I were watching game film. He watched three game film, and we were texting about Jihad. So I went to YouTube and watched IMG's game film. The thing with Jihad is, like, he's got a rocket shoved up his ass on every play. He is hot on every play. He is chasing down the ball. One, it's kind of amazing. It's almost as the, the plays he doesn't make are as impressive as the one he does because he will run a ball 40 yards across the field uh, chasing a ball down. That guy has an engine. Um, again, I'm not going to compare him to Michael Parsons and Will Anderson for Pete's sake, but he's got that makeup that I heard about with Will at the same time of he's a dog. He's a workhorse. He's a grinder. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a lunch pail guy. He's coming out every day. First on the practice field, last off the practice field, loves the game, loves to play. So he's coming from that. The difference between him and Will is going to be Will's a hand down guy. And, and as good as it gets, and Jahad's mm-hmm. got the ability to flex inside and play the inside linebacker position, and giving him that flexibility you saw the Cowboys use with Micah Parsons. Yeah, watching the Under Armour All American game. If you're an Alabama fan, you liked seeing Sean Murphy and Jihad Campbell oh, working together on that defense, uh, and I like Murphy too. By the way, Murphy was a guy that. What encouraged me the most about him in that game was that he had been entrusted to run the show from the mic, which tells me he's smart, which tells me he can absorb information and take it to the field. So uh, a couple guys there, I guess, that that we need to include in that discussion. John's recruitment's interesting because he was rated like a top 10 player, I think, heading into his junior year. He went to a camp. I don't know if he was injured. He had to be injured, but I saw the camp video of him running the 40. He had like a a, a, a hitch in his giddy up. His stride was off. He ran. His time wasn't good. And everybody thought, you know, he, you know, you know, there ain't nothing worse than a slow time in front of people in my industry. In <laughs> they told there him, won't be a there won't be any overreaction of that, Tim. Yeah, Come I on. Hear, I mean, I hear guys <laughs> getting dinged for the three-legged race at field day in fifth grade. Uh, he didn't win. Tammy and Tommy beat him. His and, team uh, lost in Army ball. That's crazy. You should have seen the chicken They lost a t- tug of war. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They'll get dinged. <laughs> so I think that dropped in uh, a decent amount of the rankings. But Alabama was pushing the whole time for Sean Murphy. Um, and he, I think he was the, wasn't he the linebacker of the year? Gatorade or something. He won some big award in his senior film. He'll blow you up. 
You know, yeah. he, he will hit you. Him and Jihad both had to put on some weight. I think Jihad was around 225. I need to check on Sean when he visited. Um, but those guys were on 15 range, yeah. Thumper. You know, we didn't mention Blackshire. I don't think Blackshire. Yeah, I hit on him a little bit, but I, I, I didn't know what you thought there. He I, seems I more know. like a Mike than a Will, but you, I know, think you can use him I in some different ways. I don't know how great – I don't think he's going to be particularly great in pass coverage. I could be wrong. I wouldn't want him on a wheel route, you know, but I do want him coming forward on third and one. I do want him. I like him covering kickoffs in the middle of yeah. the field. I know that. Dude, I, I had a play. I missed I him against Texas A&M. I had a play. Uh, <laughs> I think it was Miami. I can't remember. But uh, I showed the whole family. I had them all coming in there the next day when I was re-watching it. He went down like a damn uh, pinball. He just was hitting Miami players on the touchback. <laughs> he was just leaning his shoulder left. Sorted out, sorted out later, right? Yeah. Well, I looked up two kickoffs later. There's about eight of them jumped in <laughs> on another dead ball. It's like we had another. Uh, We're not even returning it. You're knocking us down, but uh-huh. Thumper and he's you know he's going to win the off the bus award. So he's a guy for sure that's going to factor into some at some point to some degree, uh, especially against the run. We talk about declarations for the NFL draft. I think most of these, not a huge surprise for a couple of reasons. Slate Bolden, maybe uh, as a fourth year junior going ahead and taking the plunge, but you know, defensively you feel good about your depth there in your front seven, even with Badarian Mathis and Christian Harris and Christopher Allen moving on. Um, and you anticipated Evan Neal going on to the NFL. He projects as a top three, top five, maybe even the top overall pick. But with that, I got to ask you about offensive tackle moving forward, Tim. What what do you what are what are you hearing? What are your thoughts? Uh, because Chris Owens moves on, uh, Evan moves on. You saw Damian George some at right tackle this season. I uh, got a couple of guys. I know they're continuing to develop, but uh, that's a big off season and spring coming up at that spot. No, I agree. You know, there's guys. You know, you saw Latham a little bit in action. We haven't seen Brockermeyer. Um, a guy I hear constantly about is Terrence Ferguson. Um, now I don't know which one of these guys are going to play on the edge, which one of those guys are going to be on the outside, but I agree. I mean, we saw Mari Kite out of the blue, you know, a little bit earlier on the injury, um, later in the season to come in at left yeah. tackle. Um, we see guys, but I feel like there's talent. You know, I think there's talent there. You got athletic guys, this Booker kid, again, it's not, you know, to me, it's almost impossible to be a true freshman and come in and really be a great offensive lineman. It happens. But I think when you see the Andre Smith and some of the guys, Alabama's, I think you should appreciate those guys. Cause it's, it's going to be, it's not the norm in my opinion or my experience. So, but I think you got this guy Booker that's going to come in Ferguson. I'd like to see a chance with them. You know, Damian George to me, I always thought Damian George was going to be an interior offensive lineman. Oh, that's where he was better suited to see him at right tackle. I don't think that experiment went well. And it's mainly because, when you look at Damian, to me, he, he to me he's a lot like Deontay Brown. He's a big old road you know road grind. I always thought Deontay Brown, Deontay Deon, Deontay Brown was one of the best Alabama's best offensive linemen, despite being out of shape. Uh, I just thought he cleared the run as well as you know you know anybody. Um, but I think George has that potential to you know to me. I don't have a lot of answers to be honest. You know, for me, what I'm, about what about maybe Javian Cohen? Cohen, I mean, if you have to, he's, things about him. You know, you you hear, and then maybe plug with Tyler Booker at guard. Um, I, I guess think, the point is there's 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 options there because you have guys with backgrounds at both spots. 
Absolutely. And you've got a bunch of guys who are athletes. Don't forget, Jaden Roberts had a good year. You know, they've lost mm-hmm. some guys like Tommy Brown and Pierce Quick. And, you know, Pierce was doing pretty well and got a little bit, got injured, got banged up, fell down the depth chart, never really got a chance. But they have guys that they're, that they, that, that can play, um, that are athletic and all that. Now, how this, this was the most frustrating offensive line. Uh, and I think, you know, the, I think the fans have obviously made their, uh, their opinion known as well, but this is the most frustrating offensive line I can really remember. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was tough. I mean, you, you know, Seth seemed to be to me the best center, right? And you don't really see him until halftime of the 12th game of the year. So, mm-hmm. uh, that was a little frustrating. And then, you know, just moving around and, you know, seeing a lot, you didn't see a lot of the young guys you expected to. The one thing I would hope the staff did better, if I have a complaint, about the staff is that early in the season, we didn't get to see a lot of young guys in blowouts. And when we did see them, they were, they were knuckled down to the most boring offense in history. And, you know, Jay, you mentioned quarterback earlier. I always thought that Jalen Milrow, like if, if, if the game was on the line and you've, you've, uh, you've uh, had Bryce Young go to the sideline. I always thought Jalen gave you your best chance to win over time. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that can literally pull the ball down. We saw it with Jalen Hurts. That's a guy that can pull the ball down and go 70 yards. Now, obviously, the staff knows more, but I think Tyson dug into a lot of Milrose reps. We didn't really get to see Milrose throw the ball. We didn't really get to see Tyson throw the ball. We didn't get to see the young wide receivers getting action in this scenario, and we really didn't get to see the young offensive linemen working either. So this year coming forward, I think it's a big year. And Hey, there's nobody experimenting more than Nick Saban after a loss. I don't know of anybody that takes losing that last game worse than Nick Saban. So there's a lot of motivation there for a lot of people to get better. Uh, Defensively, you talked about it earlier, man. You want to talk about good news for this program moving forward. The decisions of Henry Toa DJ Dale, both your starting safeties, DeMarco Hellams, and also Jordan Battle coming back. Byron Young, an important part of that defensive line rotation. Uh, boy, Pete Golden had to be a happy guy once he got that word. Yeah, I mean, battle to me was the most interesting. And I think the biggest, to be honest, because um, he kind of is what he is. You know what I mean? His first half of the year, mm-hmm. what well, to me wasn't great, but I thought he was really good the second half of the year. You know, not only just the talent standpoint, he was an emotional leader. He was an enforcer. You saw him. He's a fired up guy. Several times it looked like he was on on the verge of getting a penalty. He was so fired up, you know, uh, you want that fire. You want that emotion on your team. But from a draft standpoint, after talking to several people, I'm not really sure how much he can help his stock. You know, you, you know, as a safety, you are what you are and safeties aren't valued in the NFL. Like, nope. like most people think they are. Landon Collins went in the second round. He's been a pro bowler. Xavier McKinney had five or six interceptions. Looked fantastic. Xavier Kinley might be my favorite defensive player in the history of Alabama, oddly enough, because when that team needed a star, that was Xavier that year. Xavier, you know, he did everything on that defense that year. Linebacker coming up against the run, coming off the edge, he did everything, and he went in the second round. So you don't really see a lot of value. Battle probably was the second, maybe third-round guy. He's never going to be one-on-one on a wheel route. You know, you're never going to want him one-on-one out there guarding. Uh, the best receiver of the other team, but he's going to be an in-the-box guy who's going to do very well. But for have him coming back, and Henry Toa Toa is almost in the same boat of how much can you increase your stock? Maybe you can, maybe you can't. You know, some of these guys 
have been on long journeys. Henry Toa Toa certainly had a journey up to this point, having been at Tennessee, having left Tennessee, came to Alabama. He's been at the top of the mountain. He's been at the bottom of the mountain. Having those experienced guys can mean everything. You saw it with Georgia this year. How many experienced guys did they have on their defense? A lot. It wasn't just a ton. Yeah. experienced, talented group. That was the difference is that they weren't just talented. They were experienced. They had fought those battles, um, and you saw a little bit more. So I think you're going to have a chance to see that with Alabama next year and infuse some of the young talent, you know, Branch, you know, uh, who I thought came along great. Malachi Moore, who I still think is a safety, not a cornerback, is going to work back there a little bit more. I like to see all those guys getting the reps and getting prepared. Yeah, I'm with you on battle and even Helms. I thought the second half of the season for both those guys was marginally uh, exceptionally better than it was the first half. And I don't think either was particularly great in the national championship game, but collectively how battle finished the back half of the season had that sort of springboard feel to it. Uh, And so battle coming back to me was a bigger surprise than say Slade Bolden going pro even. So uh, that's a, that's a nice benefit to this, to this defense moving forward. Everybody was saying like, what is Slade doing? I think Slade, you know, there comes, there there comes a time in your life. You're just ready to move to the next stage. Yeah. You got your degree, you know, he's four years in one place. He's young. He's got a little money. He can go out and do his thing. He's that that NIL may not have been hitting. Like yeah, you know what? it might have been hard for him to see as many reps on the field next year when they go to this youth movement. I mean, not reps on the field. I mean, receptions next year. It could have been a little bit harder. It might have just been time for him to move on with life. You know, give pro a shot. If it doesn't work, maybe I make a team for a year or two. Maybe I, you know, maybe I, you know, make a team for five years. But move on with my life. I'm healthy. You know, I'm healthy. I'm young. I've had a good career. He had a hell of a career, right? Do you think? Do you think Josh Job and Jalen Armour Davis sent some of that at corner? With what Alabama has in the pipeline, and with maybe Ricks coming in, do you think, think Job Ar- and Armor Davis kind Ar- of felt Ar- some of that? Armor Davis is the one that confuses me the most. I get it; he's got a family, but in the day of the NIL, I just feel like maybe there was a way to like be, get around that. Two five um, one, step up. I mean, he didn't have a he doesn't have a lot of film. I think it's going to hurt him. He doesn't have a complete season under his belt. Um, I think he's going to have uh, uh, that work against him a little bit. But then again, you don't, you know, you worry about long-term money. I think he's an NFL player. So, you know, you look at NIL money for one year, or you look at a four-year contract as a fourth rounder, right? Different, yeah. you know, that's steady income. And he's a good player. But you have to think he had a chance to come in and actually increase his stock with a healthy year. So that was probably the toughest one for me to really everybody else made sense everybody else made sense on the surface of what they did but you had a lot of guys at Alabama declaring to go in the second third fourth fifth sixth round of the draft which is not what you usually see um Josh Job I don't I don't you know he could you know from an NFL standpoint probably would have been better for him to leave last year he just didn't do a lot this year on the field and um I've always thought Job would be a better safety I think I've said this a dozen times in the corner yeah I don't think he's comfortable with his back to the ball. And some people, there's a panic there where he doesn't trust the training. Now, safety's going to be looking forward, seeing that ball a little bit more, you know, as opposed to a 
a center fielder coming up to make the catch, then a shortstop catching it over his head, basically, is how you could look at it. I think he might be more comfortable because athletically he's fine. He's going to test well. Uh, he's going to look the part and everything else. He just is he's never physical too. He'll come up and hit you. I mean, he doesn't have a problem with that. Thinking about safety, but when you notice, you know, when that ball's in the air, he never yeah. looked back and he was grabbing. He was grabbing arms almost. You're like right. I, I don't think he. I just don't think at the moment of truth he trusted he, the technique yeah. and or himself enough. Just um, wasn't comfortable. Yeah, and that's yeah. Not- I, I think both Jalen Armour Davis and Job could eventually be uh, safeties. I, you know, physically they kind of look that part. Probably boundary corners more so than to the field. You know, I don't know if you want these guys. Um, running into the running at the field spot against what they're going to see in the National Football League, but um, I get it. I'm with you on the safety sort of thought. You know, you see, you got guys coming in. You want to see, um, definitely want to see Terry and Arnold. I think everybody wants to sort of see what he can do. Is really excited about him. Still got Brian Branch, as you said. Still got Malachi Moore. Uh, man, to go along with those two starting safeties, uh, at least right now, anyway. Yeah, it's absolutely. A, yeah, it's a strong, yeah. strong list of guys. Christian Story, we still haven't seen a lot of at safety. Oh, yeah, and he's a big, good-looking prospect, too. So there's a lot of – the thing I like about the Alabama team, this on the roster, when I look at the roster, the thing I like is I see a lot of athletes. And when I look at when, – when you look at their signing class and you're looking at guys, um, you know, you're seeing all – you know, Jaheim uh, Otis, you know, the Mississippi kid, that is a big old athletic guy. That Alabama signed this year, Jihad Campbell, Kendrick Law, Aaron Anderson. I'm going down the list now of guys they signed. Emmanuel Henderson, Elijah Pritchett. My lord, mm-hmm. I mean, he is. If last year's class was a Rocky movie, Elijah Pritchett is Drago. He is a big six foot six, close to three hundred pound offensive tackle who could play on the defensive side of the ball easily. He is as good looking as a prospect with upside as you will see. So, really like him as a true tackle prospect. Oh, absolutely. He's not one of those guys you sort of wonder about. Like I like Tyler Booker better as a guard. Ideally. Oh, yeah. I think if in a perfect world he's a guard. He can play tackle probably if you need him to. But Elijah Pritchett I look at and I go, that's a that's a tackle. You know, and when you ask, like, you know, for me, it comes down to like when, it, when we discuss upside, those, you know, if you said who's more likely to go number one, Pritchett or Booker, I go Pritchett all day. He is a six foot six. He's going to be positional value, too. If he, Absolutely you know. going to be that does not. A, that's not a slight at Booker. No, so I consider an elite type offensive lineman in his own right. But um, so when you look at these guys, you've got so many athletes, Kobe Prentice, Nye Black. Um, you got so many guys that are athletes. Look at last year's class. There's so many athletes. I want to see them. I want to you see hit them. on some of these on offense. Are there enough between the current roster and what's coming in to keep Nick Saban out of the transfer portal at a playmaker position beyond what we've already seen with Jameer Gibbs? Yeah. And you know what? I think even Jameer Gibbs, he brings a little bit different. I think, you know, in a perfect world, Alabama with a healthy running back situation, if everybody's back and healthy, you're not saying they will be. That includes Kamar and all those. I think you've got a great running back core. I mean, what about I, wide receiver, though? Are you are you are you in enough on Ja'Cory Brooks and Ajay I'm not, right now to think I'm, that I would not after try. after spring, let's say Nick doesn't look to maybe follow a similar approach to last year. No, if not sooner. Yeah, I don't think, you know, with Jamison Williams, I think with him, what he brought to the table was speed you didn't have. I think Alabama's going to have that type speed, believe it or not. 
Um, and you know what? Jameson Williams, to me, you know, with a side note, he's one of my favorite Alabama players ever. This guy came in and went straight full Bammer on us. He loved Alabama. <laughs> he enjoyed his time at the University of Alabama like nobody else. I mean, that kid loved – that was an Alabama. I saw his dad on one of the social media saying, nah, we're Bama boys. You know, there's none of that Buckeye stuff. So, I mean, just, you know, hats off to him for that. So I think that if you can get – you know, it depends what's in there. You know, there's a lot of talk about Keyshawn Boutte. Anybody takes Keyshawn Boutte any day, of, any day of the week. You know, Keyshawn Boutte could transfer Keyshawn to anywhere he wanted to in the country. Uh, he's just that kind of talent. Uh, but it just depends what's out there. But, no, if you can get a certified, uh, experienced wide receiver, I think you have to get him because you have none right now. Yeah. you have It's an experience thing play. probably as much as anything. Yeah, you've lost. And not that Jamison had, you know, 100 career catches to his credit, but you, you had more of a sample size or at least an understanding of what oh, you were probably getting and how it was going to complement what you already had. And look at the receptions you lost, even counting Billingsley. You've lost reception yeah. from Billingsley, Slade. Um, Mechie was just a volume guy, man. And he would, yeah. So you've got, so yeah, if you get a guy, you see a guy that you can, you, you can help you out. Um, I think the staff would definitely look at a wide receiver. And you know, the thing about it is, is that Alabama does, Saban does so many things in increments, you know, like they, they recruited and they got ready for the playoffs. Well, they finished the playoff and now they're back to recruiting. They're checking in the portal. You know, even with Rich, you know, the thing about the portal, I keep telling people, it's not as simple as Travis Ryder's in the portal. Go get <laughs> is Travis Ryder eligible? And did Travis Ryder do the right? right. Thing? Is Travis Ryder transferring because he's in trouble? There's yeah. a million things to check out because what I have figured out and some of these kids, and I'm not going to say any names, but some of these kids decided to hit the portal and decided not to go to class mm -hmm. and found out they weren't able to really transfer like they thought they were. There's going to be more guys at their school. You know, another thing, a side note on the portal. I got a guy in mind. I won't say his name, but I, I think I know where you're at least one of those guys. You know, are. You know, the thing that we're going to look back on, I think the portals ended like 150 careers or something when all said and done. Yeah, I, at least kids you know. hit the portal and didn't have anywhere to go and couldn't go back. Right. I mean, there's. I, it's like the NBA every year. Eighty-two college players declare for the NBA draft when there's sixty-four picks or whatever, uh, plus euros. Well, you can't have five hundred people hit the portal because there's not people that need five hundred. There's no schools that need five hundred. The people. only way a kid should hit the portal these days is when they go into that end of the season meeting with the head coach and they have that heart to heart about where they currently sit and what the future projects for them at that particular program is if the head coach says, if you think you might want to go somewhere else, I can help you at this place. Sure. You know what I'm saying? If the head coach has a plan for me where I'm at, where I know I can land with my next stop, then maybe I'd consider it. Especially if I'm a non-starter. I mean, you got all these cats haven't even played in a game or maybe have covered a couple kickoffs diving in the portal. Like they're going to have, you know, 30 would, power five offers coming their way. They got nothing we, to go on. We all had that friend who never broke up with a girl till he had another girlfriend. Don't quit so, a job till you got a job. Yes. Yep. So for a 10 day window, this dude was dating two girls, yeah. trying to get one to break up with him. Cause he wanted to treat the portal that way. 
don't leave your school. No. You're dating another. And we know, we know how this stuff works, Tim. There's an undercurrent that goes on. There is one way or the other. There is communication out there that yes, we have a spot for so and so. You know what I mean? There, there, there's back channeling going on. You're just blindly hitting the portal, cannonball. Hey, I'm here. Check me out. That's not that's not the way to go. Jumping right. in the ocean without a life jacket or a lifeboat and then yelling for somebody to come get you. That, that's essentially what it equates to. Hey, uh, how are we going to fix Alabama men's basketball at this point? Losers are three straight, three and five in their last eight. What's going on with Alabama hoops, Tim? Man, I'm so disappointed, you know, with this season. Um, the highs have been incredible highs. I mean, does anybody remember beating Gonzaga? You know, that, that was, was a, last year, man. I mean, yeah. that was an amazing moment. That was 2021. I mean, you can't get more polar opposite than beating Gonzaga in, in uh, on the West Coast and losing to Missouri at home with half their team out with COVID or whatever was wrong with them. I mean, you can't. Scored 92 on you, too. Missouri can't score against uh, some good YMCA teams, you know, and rec teams and well, put 92 on Alabama. Part of the problem I have with the team is their defensive energies – seems to be fueled by how well they're playing offensively. I would say that's the opposite. If you're not playing well offensively, you should give twice the effort on defense you were to make up for it. I don't think you go into that. I mean, Quinterly it's not shooting 20, you know, under 25% from three, you know, even in the Auburn game to lose the ball down to, you know, I'm not going to beat the guy up. He's just not having a very good year. I mean, there's no other way to, I mean, he's 2.9 turnovers a game to 4.2 assists. You know, shooting under 25%, even his free throw percentage is 70.7. You know, just Mm -hmm. having a very good year. J.D. Davidson, I I really want to see him. I don't know what J.D. will do. I mean, obviously to me, I think he needs to come back for another year. It's the NBA. They're going to draft on potential, which he has. I would like to see J.D. the rest of the year be a little bit more aggressive. I would like to see him, because we've seen him be aggressive and not worry too much about making a mistake and not too much, you know, worrying about missing a shot. But – uh, yeah, I know. know the time was tight Saturday night at Mississippi State at end game three point seven. They're down two. I was a little surprised JD didn't attack the rim there. You know, yeah. with with the way he plays and uh, the way he can do that. Again, time was tight. I understand it, but I thought where he caught the basketball, he had an opportunity to attack the rim, and he gives it up to Keon. Yeah, he does that a lot. You know, this team does that a lot. They'll get to the cup, they'll get to the bucket, and kick it out for a twenty overpass. Yeah. Lay up, shoot the ball, get to the free throw line. And whereas they shoot a lot of threes, they turn down too many open threes for contested twos that end up being misses or even worse, turnovers when they turn down open threes. You don't shoot a layup, then burn that analytics. (laughs) That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Shoot it, get to the thing. And another thing is the guards, they try to avoid contact. When they finish and contested, got to play through it. Yeah. yeah, they don't play through it, and we've seen them not get calls that had they that you know they did the absorb it, fall down, and all that kind of stuff. They were going to go to the free throw line. We've seen them matrix that bullet and dodge and you know try to go around it. No, just go up with it. I mean, this is a this team has talent, but it's not a very talented team, if that makes sense. They've gotten to the line better the last couple of games. They've shot 57 free throws in their last two games. They've actually made 48 of those, which, you know, that's that's 80-plus percent. But, 
man, they are so bad right now from three for as much as they shoot it. And, um, you know, you talked about Quinterly, he's five for his last 30 from three. Uh, and, and Jaden hadn't been consistently good enough either. Really, when you went into the season, right, you were thinking, man, Keon Ellis, Jaden Shackelford, yep. Javon Quinterly, that's their big three. And they just haven't been good enough together consistently enough for this team to sort of live up to expectations, I guess. And not only that, I mean, you have guards and traditionally, I mean, Shackford 72.1 from free throw, you know, Quinterly 70.7, JD Davidson 70.2, Darius Miles is 70.4. You guys are shooters. How the right. heck not a little better? You know, Keon Ellis shoots 89%, for instance. Yeah, Keon's really good. The upper 70%. On that, when you guys are shooters, you know, that's the thing that's, you know, that usually goes hand in hand. I don't know of many great shooters, you know, Steph Curry, Larry Bird. Most of those guys were pretty good at free throws, too. But I think those go hand in hand. Low free throw percentage, in my opinion, low field goal percentage, and definitely low three-point percentage. Now, this is a team that we've seen get hot and play really well. I mean, they have two good wins against, you know, Houston, Gonzaga. They've got some other good wins. Just got some terrible losses. Um, you can see the frustration from the coaching staff. I mean, you can see it on the sideline. And, um, you know, the yeah. season's not over. I still think they're the NCAA team. I think most teams would not want to play Alabama, you know. I think most teams will tell you they don't want to play Alabama as a as a, as a an 11 or 9 seed. <laughs> you know, I just don't think that's something anybody looks forward to. But, you know, there, there's not a lot of consistent. Well, there is consistency. They're consistently – you know, losing right now, just need a huge win, need a, you know, need a huge run. You, 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 you want to, you want a guarantee here on T Watts and TR? Oh, there's a guarantee for you. Alabama is about to go on a three game winning streak. They're going to beat LSU on Wednesday night. Then they get Missouri at home. The and then they get awful Georgia on the road. They're going to win three straight. Now they but, better because but, the but, three games after that. Yeah. But, 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 but is a huge problem. <laughs> that's it. Uh, well, I didn't guarantee those, Tim. I just said the next three. Yeah, I, you know, I knew, I knew, what, I knew that hammer was coming. I knew you had that hammer in your hand. Maybe we should go back to Georgia. Last time we were there, <laughs> who was that game winner? Was that Petway or shit? Alabama couldn't even get a commitment from a three-star running back at that or four-star. Hey, I guess. They got Lorenzo Washington that trip. Yeah, but the running back in that class okay. that went to Notre Dame. Remember we went to the remember when we used to remember we used to go to commitment announcements and Alabama wouldn't get the players. <laughs> yeah, we've covered for everybody else. I do remember the, Yeah, I do remember. Now if BOL's at a commitment announcement, yeah, that, Alabama's getting them. hit a game winning jumper while we were there, right? And that, yeah, yeah, that, that was a boy, that was a I know I got a rock fight, man. I got that was a rock fight. I went and I hit. I'll never forget that seat was folded down. It hadn't folded up like the new draft of it. And I hit my shin on that. I had a bruise for a month. There's probably 4,000 people rattling around Stegman Coliseum that night. You and I were there. You got no fleets. Oh, geez. We we weren't sneaking down, though. We held our own. No, no. We we did all right. You know, they got a chance. Even if they can go three and three in these next six, they go to Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State at home, at Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Texas. If their closeout's not bad, they're well, fine. you can talk about that three-game stretch of Baylor and Auburn and Kentucky, but the one they've got to win out of those three is Kentucky at home. I'm not expecting them to win at Auburn, 
in midweek that week. Uh, and it would be great for them to beat Baylor for the resume. But as far as conference and things like that, they, they got to beat Kentucky at home. They need to win these three, even if they go one and two from the next three and the one win is Kentucky at home. Um, you know, that's a four and two stretch that I think you could live with these next couple of weeks. What say you, Tim? Yeah. I mean, the problem, the problem, the biggest problem is you literally, you're 14 and six. You easily could be 16 and four. You should not have lost to Missouri. You know, you should have won that. You definitely would have had a chance to win that Mississippi State game. Those two losses, that's a completely different season. You know, 16, you know. I Memphis, Memphis makes it hard on you, too, because they played great against you. But, man, Penny and Memphis, they, you don't know night to night with those guys. And then when everybody has their best game against Alabama, I'm getting to think it's Alabama's just not played. That's well. part of it, though, when you reach this level, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. It's coming every night. Yeah, and it's the ease at which, which Memphis really won that game, where you never felt Alabama had any chance. Really, the whole game, no, just beat them up. So they have, you know, again, they could be at the end of the stretch. They could be fourteen and nine if, if you know, just saying the the fe- going by the point spread, probably. But they do have a chance to close out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. If they're fourteen and nine, go six and two down the stretch. That's twenty and eleven. So, um, you know, a tournament team, but just you know, to me, it's more about. Like last year's Alabama team could lose, but I really like the way they played. Does that make sense? No, it was easy to like that team, and especially and, when they got off to like a ten and zero start in SEC play. Start people, you know, you had a certain part of the fan base saying it, they were glad Herb was gone. Herb is killing it in the NBA. Dude, dude is showing you how I mean, much he, of a defensive unicorn and just an all around player he is. He's getting double digits and stuff. Yeah. People, what stands out, of course, I'm a Pelican fan, so I follow them a little bit closer. And on top of him being an Alabama guy, is there are people like talking, the other team is talking about him. Yeah. Like you got Donovan Mitchell or somebody going, hey, that guy's good. That's a big deal. <laughs> Donovan just got guarded by Herb. I mean, he's a really good player, should be all NBA. That's a big, you know, there was a lot of talent last year. You know what? There's a lot of experience, too. You know, we talked mm-hmm. about this with Georgia's team. We talked about this with some of Alabama's football teams. Last year, Alabama had so much experience. Petty had they been were old. many yeah. situations. Herb, there's so many situations. Alex Reese, even. Alex yeah. Reese, are you kidding me? So this team really doesn't have that. Um, you know, they don't have that senior leadership just yet. They're going to win the next three, and then I won't vouch for anything after that. Hey, lot. Tim, let's get in this mailbox as we move along here on a edition of T Watts and TR on the Bama online podcast. By the way, if you haven't subscribed to the Bama online podcast, we certainly would appreciate you doing so. Uh, if you'd leave us a rating and a review while you're there, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Ghost of Bryant here in the T Watts and TR mailbag on the round table or premium message board there at Bama online asks, could Alabama have two Heisman finalists? Next year, I think we know where he's headed with that one, right? Bryce and Will Anderson probably should have happened this year. Gob, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Hutchinson guy was was a was a was a good football player. He's going to be a good NFL player, but he was, he wasn't Will Anderson, you know. And the you know I've read some theories on this and, and talked to people with a Heisman vote. I think this comes down to simply they give you three votes you get three guys to put on there and i think people are hesitant to put two on the same team 
I mean, I really am. I think people also, some of these people should just have their. But there's fatigue too, man. There's, there's people around the country. They're not going to do it with two Alabama guys, especially after Mac and Devontae just a couple of years ago. You think? Yeah, I just think they kind of had to do it. They kind of had to do it with Mac and Devontae because Mac was a quarterback. But if Mac had played, if, if it was any other position, even on that team, you don't see a couple Alabama finalists probably. Now, I just think the Heisman voting is flawed in so many ways because I really feel like they need to just do all the voting and narrow it down to a certain number, then have everybody re-vote based on that number. I know that's hard to do, but, I mean, Jordan Davis got nine first-place votes. You know what I mean? That's that's. I mean, he got nine first-place votes. Desmond Ritter got, you know, five. I'm looking at it. Matt Carell got ten. A lot of it's just regional voting. Matt Carell almost got as many as C.J. Stroud. And that's not a knock on Matt Carell, who's a hell of a football player. And, you know, despite, you know, out there running the option for Lane, almost got him killed. He's a hell of a football player. But I'm just saying it was so sporadic when you look at it. Um, you know, at, at the voting, I just think that you could narrow it down. And, and again, a lot of these voters, I'm not going to criticize them because, you know, it's like that in our network. A lot of the guys, when you're covering a team, they only have time to focus on that game. They got to get up. They got to go to the game. They got to do the pregame. They got to do the game, the postgame do their writing and get home. They don't really have time to see as much football as I do. It's one of the reasons I don't go to a lot of college games because I want to watch them all. Right. Days you go to a game, you miss so much. You have to tape them, tape them and watch. But yeah, you know, I got on a rant there, but yeah, Will Anderson should have been there this year. In my opinion, I don't think you're going to have a, have a guy. And you know, next year, Dallas is really going to help Will because this year will help Dallas because there's a lot more attention played to Will. Dallas got a little more run. Next year is going to be a little bit different where Dallas is going to have to be. You're going to have to deal with him. So Yeah, I, people think Will Anderson had a huge year, and he absolutely did. But think about what Will Anderson's year could have been like if teams had to deal with Christopher Allen on the other season, on the oh, other I, side all season. Absolutely. I mean, think about that. Oh, absolutely. You know? And I think – Because you know what, Christopher Allen would have wrecked games it's been if, my, if you didn't. It's going to be nearly impossible for Bryce to win it again. So I almost think Will has the best shot of any Alabama player winning the next year. We're going to have a national championship game at SoFi Stadium next year. It's going to have two SoCal quarterbacks, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, both those guys from the L.A. area. There's another There's another guarantee for you on T. Watts and T.R. Man, I'm just uh, hot taking it up this morning. Hot taking Travis. Hot take T.R. Yes. I get the T-shirts done up. Hey, uh, Ghost of Brian also – Ask has Yellowstone jumped the shark, Tim? He's very disappointed. Ghost of Bryant is in the current season or the recently uh, released season, and he's concerned all the spinoffs may take some of the writing talent with them. What say you, Tim? I, I'm not the biggest Yellowstone fan. I watch it. Um, I, I, I agree with him. I didn't think this season. You know, first of all, how many models can want to be rodeo? I mean, work on a ranch at Yellowstone. <laughs> Every one of y'all are pretty good looking girls. Do you, I don't know if you watch, you watch it. Oh yeah. The roadhouse with all the boys in there with the women. And yeah, that's realistic. That's going to happen on a ranch, Tim. Oh, like just gore. And then you got the biggest nerd going ranch to ranch, just in, you know, hooking up model too, by the way. But the, uh, the pink haired girl is Michael Landon's daughter from little house on the bridge. Yeah. I I I saw that. That I was good. But yeah, I agree. It's jumped. It's weird. I mean, Beth has got to get counseling. If somebody asks her if she wants a cup of coffee and she says, bitch, no, and slaps them. You know who Beth is? Beth is Christopher from The Sopranos is essentially what her character is. And eventually Christopher had to get clipped. 
even yeah. at the hands of his own uncle. I mean, and thing- I just don't see how you stay on this this arc with Beth and she doesn't eventually get clipped. I mean, I don't know how that doesn't happen. Well, the scene to me that was just absurd was she got dolled up, low cut dress, goes to prison, sees the guy that tried to kill her dad, locks in a room with this killer. Yeah. A conjugal visit, by the way, because you know, trashes him and doesn't get killed. And then has a little pin in her hair. I mean, that guy, I mean, then gives him this speech about you're going to live a long life. But it's going yeah. to, I mean, that was just terrible. I mean, that was terrible. Also, the prison security needs their ass whooped. That should not happen. <laughs> um, I mean, the, I agree with him. It went sort of sideways. I want to like it. I think Kevin Costner is really good in it. I've always liked Kevin Costner. I like Rip. I think everybody likes Rip. But the soap opera aspect of, of it was a lot, was a little much. It sort of felt rushed, you know, mm-hmm. sort of felt hurried, you mm-hmm. know. Try not to mm-hmm. give away too many spoilers, but yeah, it might. I know. It might. They really need to do some adjusting, in my opinion. Big Blue Cat ninety six asks, going into the spring, who are the leading guys to grab the right tackle and left tackle jobs? We hit on some of that, some of those candidates. And what about center? You talked about Seth McLaughlin, and we've certainly covered, you know, his play down the stretch of the season at center, Darian Dahlcourt. Uh, the season-long center up to that point. What do you think, McLaughlin or Dahlcourt at center, Tim? Yeah, you know, again, Jordan Davis, even having to deal with him, uh, you know, to come in and deal with him the way he did. And Auburn had a really good defensive line, too, don't forget. They were really doing a great job against Alabama. Um, I think he's, you know, definitely earned the right to be have that, have that leading, you know, leading into the clubhouse kind of mentality. With it, I mean Jordan Davis is a handful. That is a big guy. That is a monster of a you know. I mean a lot of people were made out about his conditioning and all that in game one. Well, heck, that's any big guy. Terrence Cody wasn't out there doing hundred yard wind sprints every play. So, but that guy's a monster. Obviously, he you know he he beat Seth a few times, but I thought Seth did a tremendous job against him. And the thing that I'm told the most about Seth is he'll fight you. He'll go in tooth and nail, mean and nasty. And uh, he will fight for that. So I think he definitely has a chance as far as the tackle. I really think Latham's going to have to step up at a tackle position. Um, you got other guys that are in there, maybe a Ferguson, maybe some of these other guys. But I think Latham has to be that guy. We've seen little smidgens of him here and there. I think he has to be in there. And I think Amari's in the mix based on him popping in on the injury you know, later in the year. Yeah, it's kind of the breakdown. And, again, you've got some guys – that you have cross-trained between tackle and guard, so you always take that into account. But as we talked about earlier in the show, one of the, the biggest questions for this Alabama team, no doubt about it, going into the offseason and 2022 spring practice. Bama man for JC asks, what do you remember about the 1999 signing class wow. with Albert Means, Mac Taylor, Antoine Odom, etc.? Was that the best DL class ever on paper, even if it didn't live up to the hype on the field? Yeah, I remember on paper uh, some of those guys. I, I guess they were all in the – was Antoine Odom in the 1999 class? I think Jarrett Johnson. Wasn't Jarrett Johnson in that 99 class? And, hell, he ended up being better than any of them. Yeah, that class, that literally was on paper because that was back when you couldn't see any film of them. Uh, especially Albert Means, I think the story was that they didn't even send out film of him as a senior uh, to college coaches or junior film or something. I mean, 
Odom, he ended up having a decent career, right? Didn't he? Yeah, have- he did. Played yeah. NFL for the Bengals and some yeah, others. There was something to do with sleep apnea. Yeah. Uh, had trouble sleep, and they finally got him on a normal schedule, and he was a much better player. But, you know, the Texas A&M defensive line class this year, I've seen them. They're, they're the best I've ever seen collectively. Yeah. Uh, this group back then, certainly, I was just cutting my teeth in this business. As far as football was going, they certainly had all the accolades, but I don't think they really, you know, I'm going, I'm going they, Jared Johnson, chief in Florida, went on yeah. to a hell of an NFL career, was a, a nice player, Absolutely. Uh, especially for uh, Dennis Francione when he stepped in there. Hey, uh, 2011D asks, very simply, bluntly, I would say, what has changed in Alabama's DL recruiting since Ashawn, Jonathan Allen, Etc. Where are the DLs, Tim? It's a good question. I mean, it's definitely a different, you know, kind of. You Where's know, the Deron Payne? You know, well, you know, but you know, even Quentin back, Williams. You know, Quentin showed up basically as a junior, right? You know, we yeah. Really Quentin. Seen- when I first saw Quentin on a practice field, to just be totally honest with you, I didn't see where. Wow, this guy is definitely in three years' time going to be a, a top ten pick. I, I didn't see that. So. His development, obviously, I mean, not that he wasn't a talented player when he came to Alabama, but just looking at him, you yeah, know, he, he made incredible strides in his couple of three years on campus. Christian Barmore was a guy who in a perfect world would have stayed another year and been an early, you know, top 15 pick in the first round. Uh, definitely a talented guy. Just, you know, never really completely clicked for him. It took him a while to get on the field. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, the thing with a guy like, you know, Ashawn Robinson, who a lot of people recruited for an offensive, you know, for offensive tackle, offensive guard uh, position. But the thing for guys like Jonathan Allen, Jonathan was just built different. I mean, you talked to him first time I talked to him was 16 years old. He was a grown ass man at 16 and his mentality, the way he talked, the, you know, father's in the military. It's not a surprise. This kid's still that this guy's still not a kid. This guy's still that way. You know, you see him in the NFL. You know, he's still, you know, he's still built a little different. I think he made the Pro Bowl this year. Um, that's sort of the mentality you don't really have. I mean, you got guys with talent, um, but the defensive interior linemen in Alabama haven't been as big a name. I mean, it's almost to the point where where they make a play, you're almost surprised by it. You know, I, you know the, uh, you know when Byron Young flashes or all those guys when you see a flash. I think a lot of theirs is just to occupy space. I mean, you see the guys coming off the edge. You see the linebackers are very active, but I think they definitely need to upgrade. I mean, they've got some guys. they got Payne coming, um, uh, Damon Payne coming, who I've heard good things about up there. Uh, the uh, What's the big kid's name from Montgomery? Uh, Tim Keenum. No, Anquan. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. The kid from Montgomery that was in Alabama – yeah, it was a combo OLDL. There was some question about exactly which side of the ball he would start out on. And, yeah, well, uh, he's a great guys. Anquan Barnes, I don't know how I lost his name. But he's a guy that's got that size, he's got that burst, you know, as far as that push. Not a burst, but a push. I mean, you've got guys that can come Monkel in. Monkel Goodwine. Yeah, he's another. brought in. Yeah. Jamarian Latham. We even saw Latham some against Georgia in a goal line situation, as I recall. You saw, you know, you saw Burroughs, Jamil Burroughs, flash yeah. early last year, and then we haven't seen him again. You've seen Timmy Smith definitely has talent, but it's hit or miss there. Isaiah Hayes. They've you know, been solid. It's not like they've been bad. You know, been, I mean. I get the question. They just haven't been sexy. I agree. They, they haven't been top ten pick quality. And even Federian, who had a really good year this year, um, you know, he's not going to be a top ten pick 
So you've had that run, and uh, it's certainly a fair question. In other words, who's next? I guess in this group, and um, you know, it's 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 hard to say right now. I mean, a Boyd B is solid. Byron Young, uh, at times, is a playmaker, makes negative plays on that defensive line, but consistency down in and down out. Nope, it's something they haven't been able to produce yeah. as much of. It's helped that there's been now. There's a little, you know, a little more with Freddie Roach here a few years, but at one point it was like three D line coaches in three years, or was yeah, it? they've gone through some guys. I mean, I mean, Ray Dunbar, he not played yeah. four, four, four different D line coaches in four years. Yeah, um, you know, he's a heck of an NFL player. So I think part of that was the revolving door at the defensive line position. I think they've got to. Uh, you know, you know, Freddie Roach is bringing. You know, I know people debate him on the board. I don't know what the debate is. I think he does a good job. I think he's a good recruiter. We're certainly going to find out what a recruiter he is. He's got at least three five-star kids. He's recruiting in the state of Alabama alone. He's out on the road this week now. But I, I you know, I, I, I agree. I think you need to see more activity. Some of it's reality too. I don't care if you're Alabama or anybody else. It is the most coveted position that there is on the recruiting trail. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, largely it is because they're so hard to find. It's hard to find playmaking defensive linemen. I mean, it just is. There's a lot of big guys out there, and a lot of those guys end up on the offensive line. You know, are there t- nose tackles? But playmakers that are 6'3", 6'4", 3'10", they don't grow on trees. The tough you know? evaluation because, of course, somebody 6'4", 300 pounds – is right. going to shove around whoever he's across from. Um, they're also the most criticized position because I'm telling you, if I I've heard a hundred times, not even exaggerating, how I don't like this defensive lineman because he doesn't play hard on every play. Most of them aren't capable of going chasing every ball for a whole right. game. They're too big. Yeah, a lot of people they, watch the ball. It's like a, if they don't see linemen around the ball all the time, they think that they're not well, being they, active or doing their job. If you're on the right side of the field, then run a sweep to the opposite side of the field. It looks heroic to run 60 yards to catch him, but really right. that damn safety should help him out, not make him look bad, make the tackle. You know. It's yeah, I mean, I, I get the I get the desire to have one of those guys every year, but the, the the reality of that is that sometimes you just go through these hellacious runs like you did, right, with Ashawn and Allen and. Duran and yeah, Quinnen, and then it sort of doesn't run as hot for a couple of three years. Yeah, I think you have to look at that from Alabama perspective, which we're not. It's always hard for some of us to do, but uh, <laughs> I think you have to appreciate those guys when you had them instead of thinking it's so easy just to plug in. Every year, you're just going to have another one. Well, see, that's yeah. the thing is you do that. You know, people talk about well, Andre Smith started as a true freshman, so and so did. Yeah, that's what makes them special. You know, of course, we're in an age mm-hmm. where everybody's a freak. Everybody's the same accolade. Everybody's the next Jordan. Everybody's the next whatever. Uh, that's just Imagine what quarterback's going to be like when this run goes a little dry even. To I mean, they had three when you go from Jalen yeah. to uh, Mac and Bryce and, you know, the expectation's going to be, well, Who's the next Heisman Trophy winner? Not just the next. Oh, you saw Bryce criticized this year over. Oh, sure. Over analyzed. I don't know if you call it criticism. And they've all had flaws. Mac had flaws. Tua had flaws. Right. Jake had flaws. Everybody has a flaw for the most part. 
So, but Bryce was picked apart and compared and, you know, it's the, I think it's that mentality where you get where people, <laughs> I got a cousin and he, he, it's constantly, I hate to lose. I want perfection. This guy sucks at his job. has been divorced. <laughs> I got to hear this shit. I got to hear this. Like, he'll probably hear this. I don't give a care. I, I got to hear. Oh, he wasn't talking. I'm not talking about me, Tim. Yes. I got to hear perfection. Nobody can drop a pass. <laughs> Nobody can. Like, dude, you suck. <laughs> you got divorced twice because you were not a good husband per you. Well, you know, that's, that's, uh, well, I'm let, not talking. Let, yeah. let Bryce miss a deep ball without crucifying my boy. <laughs> it's harder than it looks to hit a running target. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's still, he's still supposed to do it, Tim. I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, Dioshi23. Uh, asked, is it crazy to think Jameer Gibbs is already running back one for Alabama? Um, is that crazy? I think You're already going to put him ahead of Trey Sanders, Jace McClellan, Roydell Williams, Kamar? I think you've got a number, you know, to me, you've got RB1 by committee right now, to, and it's to be determined. If you talk about Power 5 production right now, he's at the top of that list. Yeah, I mean, with Brian Based gone. Based on what he did the last two years at Tech. You know, but what I, one of the most encouraging things about the season is to see Trey Sanders from game yeah, one. Yeah, it was. He started looking like Trey Sanders. We started. Confidence got there more and more. Yes, and it takes a while. That dude had an injury and a massive wreck. It takes yeah. a while. Internal but, stuff. Yeah, yeah there, it's not just the physical. Now, the physical takes a while. You're still worried about cutting. I think Trey has a good chance to be next year's version of Brian Robinson. And I can't, you know, Brian Robinson, if you don't love that guy after the effort he put in this year, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you probably, you, you probably need to find another, you know, hobby other than sports. I mean, he was great, ran the ball hard, he ran over people. I hope he has a great career. I think Trey has the chance to have that kind of impact. And even, but no matter what, you got a lot. Here's the thing with Gibbs. You have – Trace between the tackle. You got Jace. You got Roy Dell. You got all those. The only guy really that's a receiving threat at the level Gibbs is is Gibbs. Yeah, he can come in and bring something different. That's what that's what was so exciting about Kamar Wheaton. He brought a little edge to the uh, angle to the running back table that you didn't have with the other guys. That would have been a welcome addition because you remember how important Najee was in the receiving game. Even in the NFL, but at Alabama last two years ago, his receiving was as important as his running, really. I mean, he changed the, the game with his receiving out of the backfield, and Alabama really didn't have that guy this year. And the bottom line is there's going to be more than one, as you just pretty much outlined for us. You know, it's it's rare in that you have a year like you had with Derrick Henry in 2015, even when you had Kenyon Drake and you had the carry disparity with uh, – Derek getting so much of the work and really even with Brian Robinson this year up around 250 carries, that's a lot for Alabama uh, in recent years. But um, Zach underscore F as we get out of here in the mailbag with you, Tim percentage chance that Alabama will still have Bill O'Brien or Doug Marone next season. As we sit here on January the 18th, Tim, you know, that, I just don't know how to answer that because O'Brien O'Brien's popular on the interview circuit that's right what, now that's what I in the NFL. I mean, the chances of having them both are zero. Bill O'Brien gets an NFL ho- head coaching offer. You know, I yep. think I think Marone goes with him 
if well, I think O'Brien has to take that. And I think there's a chance, and I haven't heard anything. There could be a chance that Marone just wants a break from coaching. I mean, he's been, you know, it's hard when you've been the boss. It's hard not to be the boss. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think Marone's been a head coach, and this guy's been coaching for I don't even know how many years, thirty something years. Uh, but him and Bill O'Brien are close. Um, you know, you've heard I've heard rumors of coaching shakeups, but I, you know, part of that is just it's almost a given at Alabama you're going to have coaching changes. But I think a lot of this is just hard to predict because you don't know what's what's what what the future holds for Bill O'Brien. Again, like you said, that you hear his name with a lot of head coaching jobs. Yeah. Interviewed so, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Possibly he wrote pro. And if he does, then it's possible Marone goes with him. So, you know, right now to me, uh, you know, we knew we knew that uh, uh, Jay was leaving. Jay Bly was leaving for Oklahoma. Um, I think that was pretty much a mutual decision. I think Alabama will be better on the back end when that one comes around. But, um, you know, how's Nick? How's Nick going to make room for all those Giants assistants that got let go with Joe Judge? That's the question, Tim. I mean, seriously, I'm never. I mean, how many analyst spots are, are yeah, we talking about? Possibly. No, I don't know Joe Judge, but man, I tell you, that was the that was the weirdest stuff I saw this year. I mean, the 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 eleven minute answer when somebody asked him, <laughs> then he took a shot at the Redskins, saying we don't have players punching each other on the sideline. Then he said. No, it wasn't about them. Well, they're the only quarterback player. sneak from his own nine. Oh, gosh, I was yeah. watching that game, and I it was hilarious. Surrender flag. They kept trying to go to the crowd to get them screaming and booing, but every time they did, there was a double bird salute. <laughs> the, clear, the clear recognition of the words "fu mouth" from the fan base. So they go to another fan. It was like four in a row. Yeah. It was, I mean, yeah. not only did they go quarterback sneak, it was like from victory formation. Oh, it was from like a double wing. I yeah, mean, 1936 like, formation. Yeah. Yes. Leather helmet football. Well, I mean, they had Jake Fromm at quarterback. They had major guys down. Their big guy, Galladay. Right. Fromm threw a great pass to Galladay. Should have been a big, long pass, probably a touchdown. Guy just wouldn't run under it. Very little effort there. You know, you could tell that team cashed it in. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, who you got over there? Freddie Kitchens, Jeremy Pruitt, Jody Wright. Yeah. Burns. Burton. Yeah. Winky is there? Maybe I don't know. I think that Winky just took the quarterback's job at Georgia Tech. I think there's a lot of Alabama flavor on that Giants team, um, and they can yeah. fire the coach. They can blame the coach all they want. I followed that that GM general. GM's yeah. terrible. Yeah, he He's he retired. Him. He retired, Tim. Yeah. yeah. That's what they said. That's what they told you about your pet horse. Yeah. yeah right before they go to the glue factory, they retired. Oof. But uh, he did a terrible, terrible, you know, job drafting. I mean, they took Saquon Barkley, a running back at number two. Nothing against Saquon Barkley, but had the knee injury. Yeah. Not, well, the top five running backs that I've seen drafted were like Fournay, Barkley, and uh, Trent Richardson. None of them have proven to be worthy of a top five pick. Last year, they took uh, Leonard Fournette. Yeah, to my dad. So I'm not dogging him, but you get so much running That's back. That's fine now. as long as you put him with Tom Brady. You well, know. you get Dalvin Cook in the second round. You get Alvin Kamara in the third round. You get, right. you get, you know, who, you know, there's so many guys. That's why backs go when they go, right? And this is the number two pick. This is not taking Najee at uh, 24. This is the number two pick. Right. So could have got, then they got, um, 
they took the Georgia offensive lineman last year, where most people had him fourth or fifth on the offensive line board. They took him at number four over Jedrick. Andrew Thomas. Is and, that it? And they took him over Jedrick and the kid for the uh, uh, Tristan Wirfs, who both of those have did fantastic. It's just he reached a lot. You know, he was just, uh, you know, apparently he's the smartest guy in the room, and it just didn't. Daniel Jones. Boy, those two Georgia offensive tackles that went in that first round a couple of years ago. Oof. Oh, and Isaiah Wilson, man. He, oh gosh. That, you know, I like I still though his draft night still my favorite draft night ever. When the strange woman plops down in his lap and his mom gets mad and rips her out of his lap on live ESPN. That's that's still the best ever. There was a social media video of him like <laughs> smoking weed or dancing on a car. Oh. Well, yeah. Laramie Laramie Tunzel. What about that draft night? You know, when he's they actually he's actually a, he's actually had a decent career. He has, but they had the had you know, the ass kid. Then him and Mitty, <laughs> Mitty, Mitty got paid or something. What in the world? Didn't he admit he get paid? And then the oh know, yeah, something. Who knows? Mm. Yeah, we're we're so far off the grid right now, but it's fun. You know. Hopefully, the ones that made it are entertained. Exactly. Yeah, if you made it to the finish, congratulations, because this is it. You you made it. You made it. Pray for me. I'm going to get out of here. I have a route now tomorrow. One. Oh man, those are so easy these days. No problem. I've had seven. So just ask for the ask for the gas. I don't get you know? gas because nobody's filming me saying stupid shit. <laughs> In fact, I got a video from Hank South's wife this morning of him off the gas having his wisdom teeth out. Looking oh, like, looking like a dummy. So I am not Hank. Risking. Hank got him hanked. Yeah. Episode of Seinfeld when he Hank got under, him yanked. Yeah. He went under and the dentist was like zipping his pants up when he came back too. I've never Oh jeez. There's none yeah. of that. You remember you don't remember don't Swinger the Swinger dentist on Seinfeld? You know, I didn't watch as much Seinfeld as everybody else. Dude, it's the dude from Breaking Bad and Malcolm in the Middle. Okay. He's hilarious. He's the dentist. I think they like swap nurses. It's like I a got you. this great. His name's Tim, it's great. All right. All right. Well, we will see you guys. All right. Well, good luck with endodontist and uh, T's and P's to T Watts for that. But um, we'll do it again soon, man. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Travis. For Tim Watts, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. Hang out with us at BamaOnline.com. So much great information for you there. And you'll want to uh, you'll want to interact with Alabama fans on the roundtable, our premium message board there at BamaOnline.com as well. Until next time, so long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, 
There's joy in every journey.